Ring around the rosy, a pocket full of posies. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. <laughs> the popcorn and Cokes were purchased, the seats were chosen, and the lights were starting to fade. 43-year-old Paula Middleton Klaus wasn't super excited to see Robin Hood men in tights, but she was excited to be spending some time with her 15-year-old son, Derek. The dissolution of a marriage is always a difficult affair, and now that things had gotten ugly, she needed to take some time and make sure Derek was going to be okay. Welcome to the Parasite Podcast. I'm Sherry. And I'm Marie. This episode, we're going to talk about the murder of Paula Klaus, the mother of Derek Klaus, but he wasn't the only person involved. His father, Lawrence Albert Klaus II, actually put him up to it. If you like what you hear, please follow us and leave a kind review. It would really mean a lot to us. Derek's parents, Paula and Lawrence Albert Klaus II, we'll call him Larry, had been married for 27 years when Paula decided to call it quits in May of 1993. This had never been a marriage made in heaven. Paula dropped out of high school to marry this man, who was also a high school dropout. Within weeks, he was hitting her. He broke her jaw during their first month of marriage, and she had to have it wired shut in order for it to heal. Why? That's so soon for domestic violence to start. Well, according to Paula's divorce attorney, she hadn't been quick enough about getting him a beer. Wow, and she stayed? Apparently so. So did they get married because she was pregnant? No. Chris was their first child, and he wasn't born until she was 22 years old. Both Derek and Christina came quite a bit later. Those are the three children that they had, Chris, Derek, and Christina. Okay. Despite the beatings, Paula worked hard to get her GED in place. She next took college courses, which was hard because she was expected to tend her children, keep house, and be the only wage earner in the household as she accomplished all of this. Larry did not hold a job for the duration of their marriage. Paula found a good job at Bendix Corporation, and in 1992, Paula took a deep breath and found Peter Schloss, the attorney she hoped would secure her a divorce. Good for her. It sounds like she needed one. It does, doesn't it? At some point, Paula had become determined to get both Derek and Christina out of the toxic environment that they called home. Had Chris already moved out? Yes, he was a few years older than their other children. Oh, okay. Larry was never reported to have beaten his kids. In fact, Derek looked up to him and wanted to be just like him. Larry only and endlessly beat Paula. But Paula was worried that young Christina would decide that this was the wife's role in a functioning marriage, and she wanted Christina to have a much better life. She worried that Derek would continue to strive to emulate his father. See, I'd be worried about both of them. You don't want Christina to grow up to be beaten, and you don't want Derek to grow up to be an abuser. I absolutely agree. I would have been concerned about both of them, too. And she probably was, but she probably voiced more concern over her daughter at some point, and someone took note of that. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Once served, Larry did what any abusive husband would do. He wooed Paula and at the same time threatened her until her resolve collapsed and she withdrew the divorce petition. That happens all too often. Yes. They say that on average, a woman in an abusive situation will try to leave that relationship about seven times before she will finally succeed. Which sounds like so many times, but when you've had your whole life with this man and three children, it's not an easy thing to leave. It's very complicated and very heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Well, a year later, Paula was back with Christina, who was now 11, by her side. According to attorney Schloss, Larry had lost his temper earlier that week. He'd pushed Paula down, causing her to shatter their glass coffee table. Larry lunged for her purse, intending to take her keys to keep her from leaving with the kids, but Christina got there first. He threatened to strike her, but she didn't relinquish those keys. She stood up to him and said, Go ahead and hit me. Tomorrow I'm going to tell my teachers and everyone what you did. With this, Larry backed down. Good for her. That was pretty quick thinking. That's very brave for a little 11-year-old girl who's watched her mother be beaten by this man. Mm-hmm. Well, as Paula was hurrying to gather up the few belongings for her and her children so they could leave, Derek insisted on staying. Larry was, of course, backing Derek up, so Paula left him there. Regardless, she was finally strong enough to make this leaving stick. Attorney Schloss, understanding the imminent danger she and Christina were in, immediately worked up the requisite divorce documents and prepared to file them. He also prepared a motion requesting the judge issue a protective order on her and Christina's behalf. Attorney Schloss could tell that this was a woman in trouble, and he was very worried for her safety. All that was left to do now was wait for the motion hearings. I'm glad that she found an attorney who knew just what to do. I agree completely. Not all attorneys are as on top of it as this man was. I really admire this man after learning more about this case. Me too. Well, this is maybe a little rude, but Larry Klaus was kind of an idiot. <laughs> he didn't understand the law at all, but he thought he was expert enough to be an attorney. He was pretty sure that kids who murdered people before they were of legal age would get at most a year in juvenile detention, you know, because they were minors. Or at least that's what he told 15-year-old Derek. He didn't even understand that holding a life insurance policy on his soon-to-be ex-wife would be the same after the divorce as it was before the divorce. The payout doesn't change just because you got divorced. She could actually have changed that beneficiary a long time ago if she was the owner of the policy. But Larry wanted that money. He actually was going to need money for the first time in his life if Paula was really headed out the door. Because she was the only wage earner, right? Right. That's exactly right. Additionally, he wanted to punish Paula for leaving and for taking their daughter with her. So, Larry had devised a plan. An egregiously bad plan that he was quite proud of. He'd figured out how to get the payout on Paula's life insurance policy without anyone having to get into any serious trouble and without anyone having to go to prison. He was such a clever, clever man. 
Now he just needed to get that kid on board. And this would be an easier task because Derek adored and trusted him. And, bonus, he still lived with him. Larry carefully started to groom his son for murder. As part of his campaign, Larry started to complain heavily about how awful Paula was and how she was betraying them with her leaving. He talked about how she needed to die so they would have enough money to live. And he worried out loud about the loss of that insurance policy once the divorce was final. He voiced his anger at having his time with Christina limited, and he dreamed with Derek about the day when Christina would come back and live with them permanently. And he constantly talked about how Paula needed to die. Derek came to understand, as per his dad, why he was the only one who could shoulder this large responsibility. That's pretty sick. I think that parents who do this to their children are very cruel. I agree. Larry told Derek he would spend only about a year in juvie since he was a minor. While he was in jail paying for the murder of his mother, Larry would take the proceeds from her life insurance policy. It was estimated to be worth about $100,000 or approximately $181,643 in today's money. And he was going to purchase a camper. As soon as Derek got out of juvie, the two of them would hitch up that camper and travel just like they'd always dreamt about. It doesn't sound like anyone really discussed nor worried about what would become of Christina, although Larry did occasionally make a vague reference to Christina coming home on occasion. Larry appeared at the motion hearing with Derek by his side, and Larry was sure that Paula was going down. So isn't it weird to go to a motion hearing for your divorce with one of your minor children with you? Yes, it's actually not recommended, and I don't think it was a wise move on his part. You're not supposed to bring your children into your divorce. Yeah, usually they're supposed to be kept as far away from it as possible. Right, to protect them. Mm -hmm. So what was Larry's plan at this hearing? Well, he decided he was going to insist that he had never laid a finger on Paula. And how did that go over? And not very well. The bruising on her face and arms belied his assertion, and no one believed him. So then he sought total physical and legal custody of both Derek and Christina. I think having Derek at the hearing was supposed to intimidate Paula or make her nervous. Or maybe show the judge that Derek liked him better. Maybe. It's still a strange move, though. It is. But anyway... He was asking the courts to deny Paula any and all access to the children. Which was never going to happen. No, Paula had been taking care of those children their entire lives. Maybe he thought that because he was the stay-at-home parent, he had a chance? That might have been it. I'm not sure if he was thinking that or just, I'm the man, they will do what I say. Yeah, he seemed to have a real disconnect with reality, though. Yeah, he did, because the court was inclined to grant physical custody of both children to Paula. But when asked, because he was in the courtroom, Derek said he wanted to live with his dad. So the court granted Derek his wish and created a split custody arrangement, where Derek was to live with his dad and Christina was to live with her mother. So why would they do that? In cases where you have children who are in their teens... 
the courts will often let the kids choose where to live because they realize that a 15-year-old will vote with their feet, so to speak. If a child says, I don't want to live there, and a court insists that they do, the child will often run away, which creates even more problems for that child. That makes sense. You kind of just, they're going to do what they want anyway, so let's put it on paper. That's right. Okay. So... Christina was going to live with mom, and Derek was going to live with dad. Were they going to have visitation, or were they just never going to see each other again? Paula was granted visitation with Derek, but Larry, at Paula's request, was only granted supervised visitation with Christina because there had been problems with violence. There had been problems with abuse because she had witnessed the abuse of her mother. And had to stand up for her mother. Right, right. And Larry was very manipulative and would say things to Christina, trying to get her to come over to his side. So when this happened, Larry was furious. He didn't want supervised visitation with Christina. He wanted total control. And where he thought he was going to come out on top at this hearing, he hadn't. His moves to keep Paula trapped in that marriage weren't happening. It looked like he would soon be without a wife a wife who actually worked and brought in his money since he couldn't hold down a job. And this was problematic. He was starting to suspect that judge would be giving Paula back the house at some point. He was glad he was ready to pull the trigger on his master plan. So an angry Larry caught Paula in the hallways of the court and told her she wouldn't be living through this divorce because she'd messed with his access to Christina. So he was threatening her life in a courthouse. That was a smart move. Right. He's quite bold. Her attorney made him leave, but that was okay with him. He was still going to have the last say in all of this. When he was finished, he'd have the house, the kids, and the money. And that loser Paula would have the cold, hard ground and nothing else. She owed it to him. She was the one who left and made a mess of that nice, comfortable life he'd built. Yeah, he seems to have a very entitled attitude. He is one of the most entitled people that you will find in this research. Mm -hmm. He not only thinks he is entitled to all of the goods from her labor, he also feels he has the right to physically abuse her, to force her to do all of the work around the house while he plays video games and creates problems. Mm -hmm. He seems to be almost obsessed with having total control over this family. Yes, he does. Well, when Paula suggested a trip to the Metro North Mall Theater for her parent time, Larry knew it was go time for his plan. He gave his pistol and plenty of ammunition to Derek. They drove out to a remote area and spent some intensive target practice time together, setting up targets with Larry instructing Derek to play like this was his mother that he was shooting while he helped him perfect his aim. So how much time did they have for this plan? Because usually parent time happens pretty soon after the request. I'm not sure. The timeline wasn't clear on that, and I couldn't find anything that was very clear. I know that parent time happened pretty quickly after court. So Larry had to have had this plan kind of in his back pocket when he walked into the courtroom. I'm sure he did. It sounds like he um, had kind of decided that his wife needed to die before she even left. Maybe. That's a really sad thought. It is. This whole story is very sad. I think it's really sick that he takes him up into the woods and tells him to practice 
target shooting, and I can't imagine the psychological damage that this caused in Derek. I agree. I don't think this is something that a parent should do. This is a really good example of bad parenting. Next, Larry helped Derek figure out how to conceal that pistol in his jeans, and they had a few laughs together as Derek practiced walking around with the gun in his pants so he wouldn't be walking funny. Larry instructed him to enjoy the movie and then shoot his mother as they exited the theater into the parking lot. Larry was also extremely careful to keep Derek focused on the fact that his father could not ever be mentioned in this killing, or the deal would completely fall apart. What a coward to hide behind a little boy like that. I agree. I think it's really, I'm not sure if it's unusual or not, you'll have to tell me, but I think it's pretty low to set your kid up to take the fall for you. Well, in our research, we've done an analysis of 869 juvenile parasite offenders, and it indicates that 22% of all youthful offenders use an accomplice. Okay. Of the parasites involving an accomplice, about 3% of the accessories were parents who are encouraging their child to murder the other parent. Well, thank Thank goodness it's a very small minority. Uh, it's still pretty gross that there are 3% even. Yes, it doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, it's egregious. Uh, there, there's no other word for it. Mm-hmm. Derek prepared for his trip to the movies carefully loading his new gun and concealing it in his jeans. I can't believe he didn't shoot his own leg off. I can't believe he was willing to shoot his own mother. (laughs) Okay, you've got a better point. I always think of these silly little things. Um, But you're right. Agreeing to shoot your own mother and then taking all these steps toward it? Is frightening and Mm -hmm. tells you a little bit about this boy. Yeah, and he's only 15. Right. But he was nervous. His dad had told him that he was good for this, and again, Larry reminded Derek not to implicate him in the murder. And Derek tried to act as normal as he could with his mother as they headed to the theater, bought their popcorn and Cokes, and settled into their seats, waiting for the previews to start. As the lights faded and the coming attractions played, Derek was a mess. He was here in the theater with his mom, just like they'd done a million other times. But this time, it was surreal. He was sitting here with a tub of popcorn in his lap and a gun in his jeans. And his mom didn't suspect a thing. She was eating popcorn and enjoying his company. He knew there was no way he could sit through this movie with such a monumental task looming ahead of him. He wanted his dad to be proud. And he also didn't want his dad to kill him because his dad had actually threatened to do so. As the previews ended, Derek jumped up, pulled out his gun, and shot every single bullet into his mother's head. Can you imagine going to see something as frivolous as Men in Tights and instead watching some kid shoot his mother in the head? No, I can't even fathom it. I would be traumatized for the rest of my life. Yeah, and I'm sure there were lots of teenagers there. Like, that would just be... Like you said, just traumatic. Right. And a stunned audience sat there, frozen in their seats, startled by what he had done. Derek dropped the gun, 
and he took off running. Where did he think he was going to go? I think his dad had told him to escape. I think the plan was for him to shoot his mother as they exited the theater. There would be a crowd, Mm -hmm. and he could just run away, run and hide. So there would be confusion, and it wouldn't be clear who had shot her? Right. So there would be an off chance that he would be caught, but maybe he would get away with it, I think is what their thinking was. That makes more sense. So he just kind of followed the plan despite the fact that everyone saw him do it. Right, and his run didn't last for very long. An off-duty fireman rushed to provide assistance to Paula while another moviegoer, 24-year-old Blake Stursinger, chased down Derek, who was neatly caught before he even cleared the exit. Good. Yeah, but Paula died there at the scene. And Derek quickly found himself locked up in the juvenile justice center. And in came Larry for a visit with a big smile on his face. According to court documents, he told Derek how proud he was of him. He encouraged him to hang in there, and again, he warned him not to implicate his good old dad in the murder. So if we know what Larry said to Derek at that meeting, did Derek start to sing? Like, did he start to tell on his dad at some point? Yes, he does. As he watches his dad back away from the murder and leave him holding the bag, he starts to get a clue as to what's going on. That makes sense. Right. I just think it's so terrible that you would take advantage of your own child like that. I do too. Adult predators are really nasty, terrible adults who take advantage of children. And we've talked about how many are parents, but their situations can be very different. For example, some of them are women like Michelle Don Gibson, who was trying to escape a frighteningly abusive marital relationship. She asked her son, Stephen Gibson, to kill his father from her hospital bed after his dad had beaten her. That one is more understandable because she was in a situation where it was kind of her life or her husband's. Right. But what's not understandable is deciding that your child has to be the one to kill him. Right, because she's basically sacrificing his life so she can have her life. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that she doesn't want to die and have these children raised by this abusive man, but there are options like moving across the country, protective orders, killing him yourself if it comes to that. But it seems like the worst of all possible options is asking your child to do it. I think so, too. I think that the worst demonstration of parenting is definitely asking your child to kill a parent. Anyway... Some of the others are predators who want free access to the children. For example, Ricky Chavez, who wanted Alex and Derek King's dad dead so he could romantically pursue one of these little boys. Oh, that's extra gross. Yes, it's a predator who's a predator on many levels. Mm -hmm. And then there are some like Larry Klaus who just want to win and they just see their child as a pawn. Well, I'm so thankful that most adults know better. And it's only 3%. Well, 3% who are the parents Mm. of these kids. Um, This analysis that we did of the 169 juvenile parasite offenders, of the 22% of youthful offenses that included an accomplice, 4% of those included an adult sexual predator, like we were just talking about, like Ricky Chavez. Mm -hmm. Only one case involved a really strange situation where the bio mom wanted to come back into the boys' lives and wanted to remove the adopted parents. 
that seems like the worst way to come back into your adopted child's life. Right. You're never going to be in that child's life no. if you ask the child to kill someone. Yeah, at least one of you is going to prison. Probably both. Probably both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what happened with Larry? Publicly, after he'd gone and visited his son and told him how proud he was of him, he began to carefully step away from his son and the murder. He was telling people he still loved Paula despite the pending divorce. He also told the media he had no idea where Derek had gotten that gun. Despite the fact that Larry had given it to him and then trained him with it. That's right. And then he was saying that he was sure little Derek loved his mother with all his heart. He also went public saying he didn't think Derek would hurt his mother for anything in the world. Well, that had to look especially stupid when you've got a movie theater full of people who watched Derek hurt her and hurt her in a fatal way. I agree. So what I think happened there is I think that his dad had a plan. And this plan was so well planned that it was ingrained in his head. I'm going to say this. I'm going to do that. We've mm -hmm. talked about this before. So where the plan was that Derek would shoot her as they exited mm -hmm. and then run away... He was seeing himself in public saying, oh, he'd never hurt her, covering for him. But because Derek flipped the script, mm -hmm. what he was saying didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, okay. So if Derek had shot her as they were leaving the theater, possibly no one was looking at them. He could try and pass it off like, oh, there was a drive-by or someone else in the theater shot her. Or he could run away and hide. Yeah, but... It wouldn't be so clear that Derek had done it, and there wouldn't be so many witnesses. Right. But when Derek saw all of this, he realized that his father was backing away from him. And so he started talking. Well, that had to sting. I think that would be terrible to do something this huge for your father and then watch him start to betray you. Mm -hmm. But he told authorities about that insurance policy. He told them where the gun came from, who had coached him, and taught him to shoot the targets he considered to be his mother, and he talked all about the careful plans laid out by his dad. He described how Paula's death was going to make him and his dad rich, and he told them all about the dreams of buying a trailer and heading to Canada where they could travel wherever they wanted and live their lives out in comfort. These stories are depressing for many reasons, but one of the things that is particularly nonsensical is the idea that $100,000 is going to make you rich. Right. Especially when you don't have a job, $100,000 isn't going to last very long. No, money spends a lot faster than it's earned, even if it's earned in an illegal way, such as this. Yeah, and, you know, Derek was 15. He probably had no idea how far $100,000 will go. But Larry was old enough that he should have known it would be gone in six months. Yes, and because we see so many manipulations with Larry, to be honest, I'm not sure what Larry was thinking. Larry was very manipulative, and Larry may have had other plans that he wasn't sharing with Derek as far as how to make that money last. Yeah, that makes sense. And maybe he thought it would last for a long time, taking care of just one person. Mm -hmm. Or maybe two. Or maybe in Canada he thought that it would last them longer because 
It used to be that Canadian dollars compared to American dollars, the exchange was a little more favorable. So, I mean, we'll, we'll never know. Derek carefully explained to the investigators, as his father had, how he was the one who had to shoot her because he was a juvenile, so he knew nothing would happen to him. He told them how she had to go because his dad was sure she would get the house, and that would force them out onto the streets. If you recall, his dad didn't work, and only his mother had money. So she could pay the mortgage, dad couldn't, mom would get the house. Okay, that makes sense. Right. That's probably what the courts would have ended up doing. I think so. But anyway, he was hurt and a bit angry that his dad was now stepping away from him in his own bid to look innocent. Derek began to understand how wrong his dad had been in almost everything. Well, the investigators had to be a little shocked by this, oh, well, I'm a juvenile, so nothing will happen to me theory. Murder is a very serious crime, maybe the most serious crime. It's taken so seriously that the courts are willing to certify most juveniles as adults to put crimes like murder committed by juveniles into adult court. And they can certify children as young as eight years old. Right. And even though Derek was only 15 years old, he was certified as an adult and charged in adult court with murder. On November 18, 1993, Derek was charged with first-degree murder and armed criminal action. But his dad was arrested for murder on that same day. Which probably shocked his dad. I'm sure it did, but I'm glad that he was arrested. Yes, I'm sure he was confident he was going to beat this because he hadn't pulled the trigger. Because his dad didn't seem to understand the basics of the law, even though he felt that he was expert. Mm-hmm. So both of them were convicted of murder. Larry was given a life sentence for first-degree murder, and Derek was given second-degree murder. Oh, that was a plea agreement, wasn't it? That's right. So because Derek agreed to testify against his father, he was allowed to plead guilty to second-degree murder, and he was sentenced to, well, it's unclear if it was 10 or 15 years, but at least a decade to life. Okay. So this was back in 1994, And typically, a sentence like this will result in a well-behaved prisoner being released at about 86% of time served. So, we would have expected Derek to be released on parole sometime after year 13, so in 2006. But he remains incarcerated today. Hmm, why? We don't know why. It's possible that he gets in fights or doesn't follow the rules but it indicates some degree of behavioral problems as a prisoner. That makes sense. Yeah. Larry died unrepentant on December 14th, 2014, of heart trouble while still incarcerated. His family requested that, in lieu of flowers, people make memorial donations to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. I think that was a really classy move on their part. I think so, too. It's hard For family members and a lot of family members, even family members who witness abuse, have a hard time admitting that their father, brother, or son was an abuser. Mm -hmm. So I think this is very unusual and very honorable. I do too. 
I think that the people who survive a parasite, Mm -hmm. the family members, have not a lot of hope in the beginning. And I do think that they have to work hard to create good lives for themselves and that they would kind of tip their hats toward the violence that happened in their own family after Larry died Mm -hmm. by asking for donations was very kind and very generous of them. I think so too. So the kind of forgotten person in this story is Christina. I don't feel that her brother and father consider her needs or future at all in their plans. No. But after they murdered her mother, Christina was placed with some foster parents. Mm -hmm. And after the appropriate period of time, she was adopted by those foster parents. And it seems like she finally had the kind of family her mother always dreamt of giving her. That makes me really happy because I know her mother worked hard to let her have a nice life. Mm -hmm. I'm just sad that her mother was never able to figure out how to be the one to give that to her. Yeah, I wish her mother had survived and was able to be there with her. Mm -hmm. But Christina grew up, got married, and now she has a little boy of her own. She has kept in touch with that man that so many years ago helped liberate her and her mother from a domestic nightmare just by listening and taking their stories seriously. Attorney Schloss? You're right. I'm so impressed. Yeah, I'm really, I'm proud of him for keeping an eye on this little girl. I am too. So after her mother was murdered, he stayed in the picture both as her attorney and her friend. Nice. He's fought several fights on her behalf and he just kept showing up. Clear through her wedding day and beyond. Oh. Yeah. That gives me chills. mm Mm-hmm. I think it's great that she had a paternal figure in her life that was more protective and kind. Paula had once voiced her dream to attorney Sloss. She wanted her daughter to live a life free from violence. And attorney Sloss has remained in the picture fighting for Christina's right to do just that. I love that. Me too. for today. Thanks for listening and we hope you learned something. Feel free to join our discussions on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter using Parasite Podcast or by writing to us at ParasitePodcast at Parasite.org If you like our podcast, please subscribe to the Parasite Podcast and tell your friends about us. Yes, please do. We'd like to thank Jade Brown for our theme music and the Kansas City Star, Cinema Treasures, and attorney Peter Schloss's mediation blog for a variety of information and the photos we used for this show. You can see the photos at Parasite.org. Just click on the Parasite podcast once you get to the website. We'll see you in two weeks when we'll discuss the case of a son who killed both of his parents, but it's not at all like you would expect or even be able to guess. Bye for now. Bye. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. <laughs>